0: Their fellow movie fixers. I think I got that right this time. (laughs) Welcome to this special episode of Movie Fixers. It is special because instead of fixing a movie and telling how it could just be a little bit better, we're going to talk about the movie universe in general. Uh, Today, we are going to talk about sequels, prequels, and reboots. And I think this is something kind of like a deep-dyed nerd discussion that I will need to have with the sequel of my life the prequel of everything good, and the reboot of, anyway, my co-host.
1: <laughs> were you doing that on the fly, or did you work on that earlier?
0: Uh, which one makes me sound less lame?
1: There you go. Uh, I am your co-host, Matt, and I am here today to talk about sequels, prequels, and reboots with Tony. Uh, I don't really know what you were doing mm-hmm. there, with the, but it, was, it sounded like it was a really a sweet gesture, and I appreciate the intent of what you were doing.
0: I'm all about intent. Yeah, um, so we talk about fixing movies a lot, and occasionally we come up on, you know, more like broad strokes topics that we don't give enough attention because we already run long as it is. So this is supposed to be a shorter, more broad strokes discussion about sequels, prequels, and reboots. And the first thing I want to talk about is. How would you define each one of those? I think this is pretty straightforward, but Matt, what would you say is a sequel? You're allowed to list an example, but you can also say, like, what you think represents a sequel in a movie or as a, a movie as a sequel.
1: I think that's a, that's a good way to start us off is some definitions. Um, I don't know if there's a, a, a definite, you know, there's probably a real definition, but I would say for the purpose of this podcast, sequels are movies that take place in the same universe as a predecessor and continue a story from its predecessor. So obviously when you've got, um, you know, Star Wars episode four, A New Hope, and you've got Empire Strikes Back episode five, f- that five is a sequel. It, it takes place. It continues the story set up by a previous film.
0: Cool. I, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. I like your specification that it, it continues a story, a sequel, or there are movies that take place in the same movie universe as a previous movie. I don't think that always qualifies them as a sequel unless there's something.
1: I've actually heard direct, the terminology uh, them. Uh, as sidequels. I know we're going to get into some funny terms here, but I've heard uh, people. I'm trying to think of a good example of this, but sidequels being movies that take place in the same universe. That aren't necessarily a continuation of a previous story, but might be a story taking at either, either place at the, either at the same time as its predecessor, or it could take place after. It just doesn't necessarily continue a story from a previous movie.
0: Gotcha. Well, maybe we'll we'll think of some examples as we go, but let's keep this ball rolling because people don't want to wait all day. What would you say is, and I'm going to try and say this word without groaning, a prequel?
1: Blech a prequel i would say is a movie that i mean it's kind of the opposite of a of a a sequel it's a movie that takes place in the same universe and and maybe kind of sets up a story that we've already seen before uh again we're going to probably mention the star wars movies a lot because the star wars movies there's so many of them and they definitely give us a lot of information uh for this, so uh, the, there was the prequel films: uh, *Phantom Menace*, uh, *Attack of the Clones*, and *Revenge of the Sith*, that se- uh, that take place. Is it what seventy years before the original movies? Is that? Am I getting that timeline right? Do you know? I I don't think it
0: was that long, but who cares?
1: It was several years, <laughs> but yeah they they go they yeah. go to the length of telling a story that takes place before an established story, um, and again I would argue that it kind of needs to lead into the existing story and not necessarily just be its own story. Otherwise, we're, we're still in that kind of side-cool territory. We're still, like, playing in a universe without playing to a specific storyline. Okay.
0: I like keeping that rule. That's good. All right. So, next up, we have a reboot. And a reboot has two categories I want to focus on, the soft reboot and the hard reboot. Can you give us a little bit of a breakdown of what each of those
1: are? Um. I'll do my best. So, a reboot is a, a movie that t- that that takes an existing story and kind of starts it over again. I would say the definitions of a soft and a hard reboot are: a hard reboot is is. You know, saying thank you to the original, but we're going to do our own thing and start this completely over from scratch. Soft reboots, which are, I think, a lot more common nowadays, are movies that not just restart and tells the same story from a previous movie, but kind of acknowledges, um, sometimes playfully, but acknowledges that there's existing material before it, um, almost making it a sequel in, in that it's, it's, and sometimes it's acknowledging that the other property existed um, while also telling the same story kind of again. Uh, but, yeah, I think that'd be the difference between a soft and a hard reboot. Uh, I'm trying to give a good example of a soft reboot. Uh, do you do you have anything that comes to mind?
0: I have things that we could debate might be more of a soft reboot. Um, but first, can we say that a... Can the hard rule be, or, or the, the quick and fast rule be, that a reboot is... Effectively retelling a story it may not be retelling the story exactly the same way, but it is It is going okay that movie that you saw way back. That's a classic. Mm -hmm. We're gonna make that again
1: So I just looked this up because I wanted to really give examples for anybody listening Uh, two really good ones that come up right off the bat uh, the Star Trek reboot with uh, Chris Pine and uh, Zachary Quinto is considered a soft reboot because it does kind of start the characters over again from the beginning of what we know you know Spock and Kirk However, it openly acknowledges the previous timeline as being a part of the story. Uh, another good example that I just looked up is the Superman Returns movie that acknowledges the events of the Christopher Reeve films, but also very much kind of reboots a franchise. Mm-hmm. And while we're no, at it's, it, a great I, example. I have a really good example, a great example of a side quill that we were talking about earlier um, do you remember the movie? This is 40. It had Paul Rudd it, in it. Yes, Paul Rudd. And I think uh, Leslie Mann in it. Anyways, they were two like kind of side characters in the movie Knocked Up and they ended up getting their own movie. So it's sort of a sequel to Knocked Up. But because it doesn't continue the storyline of the main characters, it's considered a side cool.
0: Oh, neat. And And also not an example I would have expected because those are more comedies. Dramadies and not your typical like franchise with a sci-fi or comic book character so great example
1: yeah I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot more examples of sidequels in comedies because I feel like in a lot of good or even mediocre comedy movies you've got you've got secondary characters like supporting characters that end up being more interesting than your main characters and they would end up getting their own movies later you know
0: mm-hmm that makes sense so I think we've defined these pretty well one of the things about this podcast is we're going to, again, try and get through this a uh, lot faster. So if we say something that you don't agree with or you think we should have expanded on, audience, this is where you comment. This is where you reach out to us and give us those big lengthy emails. That's uh, that's that's the time to do it. So I would like to move on to the next part of this, which is talk about the timeline in when sequels, prequels, and reboots were sort of the pop culture craze. And part of the reason I want to do this is I think it's going to just be a really, if we can agree on this, be a really great way to summarize like a lot of the movies we're going to be referencing. Cause they're going to come from a similar timeframe. And then also uh, I just think, you know, this is how it looks to me. And I kind of want other people to come up and go, no, I, I see it as being different because for me, and I'll go into it now, I think sequels were like the big thing first And Matt, you can tell me if you agree or disagree here in a minute. But I think sequels started. You, I mean, I always go back to like you know your Terminator two, your Aliens, you know your Rocky five thousand, and you just you kept getting sequels. If something came out, sure enough, if it was successful, it was going to get a sequel the next year easy maybe two years later mm-hmm. but then and that that lasted i would say i was born in 84 you guys can do the math on how old i am now i was born in 84 i think that was going before i was born up into the 90s uh, early 2000s also considered you know just you know the 90s not letting go but definitely all the way through the 90s up and past and then we get the prequels, and I believe strongly that the prequels became popular due to the aforementioned Star Wars prequels, The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith. Whatever you may think of them, they were very successful monetarily. Lucas really knocked that out of the park as far as making a lot of money, and he even did a lot of It wasn't really a reboot, but before all the prequels came out, he started re-releasing the original three movies, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi, because you guys need to know those titles because you didn't know them already. You're all nerds listening to us talk about this. Uh, he, he re-released those in theaters when I got to see him for the first time in theaters uh, with, you know, enhanced effects and things like that. And again, whether you liked it or not, that was successful. Like all of the Star Wars fans crawled out of the woodwork there. It was just me and Kurt and Matt reading the novels. Hey, Kurt, good fan, uh, reading the novels. And then all of a sudden, you know, everybody loves Star Wars when it comes back on the theater. And then these prequels come out and Everybody's trying to find anything from the 80s and 90s to make a prequel about. And I think that kept going uh, well into the 2000s. I think only just recently in maybe the last five years, maybe more, Matt, you can you can tell me what you think. Did we hit the reboot stage where they started rebooting movies from the 80s and then movies from the 90s? (laughs) Right. And I think that's kind of where we're at. And and there's something to be said, but you get your RoboCops and you get another Terminator. Terminator Genesis I think would be a soft reboot because it's definitely a reboot, but there is not well, right. to the and fact it was, that it was it meant stuff to exist. kind of
1: restart that franchise for sure. Um, mm-hmm. while acknowledging its history. I want to just point out real quick that sequels have been around for a long time. Um, I I was curious about this while you were talking, so I looked it up the Godzilla movies. Are, are really well known for lots and lots of sequels. The planet of the apes movies from like the seventies, they had gobs and gobs of sequels. Um, Good and, example. And then uh, like horror movies, like the Halloween movies, the Friday the 13th movies um, definitely were trending with sequels quite a bit. I, I do think you're right that we hit that like second stride of, um, of prequels. With the Empire Strikes Back, or sorry, the Phantom Menace movies, the Star Trek or Star Wars. Sorry, I'm on a lot of medication right now. <laughs> My brain's not working right.
0: Matt's sick, everybody, but he had to, he's he sticking it out to record, so bear with him.
1: Yeah, I, I just really wanted to talk about sequels, prequels, and reboots. Um, but I want to point out a really interesting prequel that a lot of people don't realize or think about um, was the second Indiana Jones movie. Most people think of it as a sequel, but it is, in fact, a prequel to the to Raiders of the Lost Tem-
0: Temple of Doom?
1: Temple of Doom is a prequel. I think I knew that. I think you did, too. But I, uh, I think, again, people overlook it because because it's sort of a weird prequel-sequel. It doesn't necessarily pick up the story from its predecessor or even really lead into it, but it is acknowledged as being earlier in the timeline than its predecessor. So it counts as a prequel for sure um Hmm. and then yeah i'm with you reboots are all the craze now and like i said earlier soft reboots are super in vogue right now because people love nostalgia people love nostalgia so if, if you can not only reboot something that is from our like childhood or teenage years or whatever but also playfully kind of acknowledge and incorporate things from the original I mean those are some of the best ingredients you can give us right now in, in movies and television shows when done well sometimes it feels like they're you know you're play they're placating but when it's done well it feels like all right you know how to send us this love letter in this reboot right
0: I agree and and also reinvigorate invigorate like something like if you can capture what was good about the original mm-hmm. from say like the you know 20 years ago you can take what that was and reintroduce it to a new audience. Exactly. if you give it the same name, but you do it justice, I'm not going to be upset about that. It's funny you talked about uh, sequels being around for a long time. I just want to drop, like, my favorite set of sequels is the, and they might even be considered one of the first franchises, is the Thin Man series that was released in the 30s. But those are... Definitely sequels because the second one picks up right where the first one left off. Now with a new case, the Thin Man series is about uh, Nick and Nora Powell. Nick is a detective turned, uh, well, he married Nora and she's very wealthy and so now he doesn't need to be a private eye anymore, but he still finds himself getting into situations where people need his help and he tries to solve a case he doesn't want to but he reluctantly succeeds and a lot of humor a lot of comedy um william powell and myrna lawyer the two main characters and their chemistry was beautiful i think it holds up today and this these were movies that came out in like i'm gonna say like 36 Maybe even started sooner, I don't.
1: yeah, I think you're right. I should have known that You introduced but, me to the thin Men movies, that was, and I love those movies. That's a great, great call out.
0: So so sequels have been around for a while. so again, if if we've left anything out or if our timeline is off from yours, uh, let us know what you think. for but sure that being said, Matt, tell me what you think are some of the pros to having a se- telling a story as a sequel? Like what are some of the benefits of a movie being a sequel as far as a storytelling aspect is?
1: Oh, I I think I think obviously the biggest pro with sequels is you get to you get to do all the heavy lifting with like character development and world building in that first movie. And it, you know, sometimes that gets a little tedious, you know, when you're watching a first movie in like a franchise, you got to get through all that character building, you got to get through the world building till you get to some of that. I mean, sometimes that's the fun part, but sometimes you just want to get through it and get to the fun stuff. I think that's why a lot of second movies end up being people's favorites in series not because the first ones aren't good but because the second one you get to just jump right in i mean you get to usually introduce a new character or two but like all of your leads are all already established and introduced they've already had a film to kind of work out their um relationships with each other and you already know the world at that point so you get to kind of jump right in to like the fun stuff so to speak in a sequel um I, yeah, I think that's probably the the most beneficial part of of a sequel is, like I said, letting letting all the heavy lifting of character development and whatnot be done in the first movie.
0: I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. I think that's that's definitely like the key thing. Anything else we say just sort of revolves around that. So my next question, then, this one's a little harder: is what, if anything, is the pro of having your story be a prequel?
1: A prequel? Um, I think. And I struggle because prequels in general, I don't care for. And I think we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, But the pros of prequels are you can explore things that maybe as a writer or like a filmmaker, you maybe wanted to explore in a movie, but it just didn't fit into like the timeline or the tone of what you were getting into. In, in you know the, the, the main movie or you know your the, the movie that started it all. With a pro with, with a prequel, you get to go back and say, you know what, I really wanted to, to give this character some more development and, and and get to know this character a little bit better. So I would say maybe that it you know it's it's an opportunity to go back and spend some more time on a character or a scenario or a setting or whatever that maybe you didn't get to before.
0: I, I can see that. So, so in an optimistic point of view, it's like, yeah, you've got this world or you've got these characters and you're, you're telling one story with them and to try and diverge mm. too far into their backstory or the back, the history of the world is going to detract from that story, which yeah. is a good one, but I think you still, a good want, to, example you of still this, want to give attention to it. Yeah. yeah.
1: I think maybe a good example of this recently, and again, I'm not the biggest fan of prequels in general, and I don't think you are either. But I think the new Solo movie, the Han Solo movie, did a decent job of taking a very beloved character that was a little bit of a secondary character in that first movie, if we're being really honest. Like Han Solo didn't become like a main character until Empire Strikes Back. So getting to go back and kind of Ooh, tell audience, some of Audience,
0: story, weigh in on that.
1: I mean, I know that's not the most popular thing to say. I'm just saying I think he was – he <laughs> didn't really become a full-fledged character until Empire because we didn't even meet him until later in, in A New Hope. So all I'm getting at is I was really reluctant and skeptical of the Solo movie, the like prequel film, giving you Han Solo's backstory. But I think ultimately it was fun. I mean, as with a lot of prequels, I don't think it was necessary. I don't think anybody was like, I really need to know where Han Solo came from and where he got his last name from. And like, I don't think anybody was just like, I need this story. But it certainly was fun for parts of that movie to like see where, the, where, where things came from. I guess that's the answer to your I question I think you gave the pro uh, the pro of a prequel a is getting there. to yeah. see things see where things came from and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad sometimes people see the origin of a character or the origin of something and they're like really that's it that's the thing and I think that's the danger of a prequel is if it's not a good origin or a good prequel then people are just gonna be like why did you do it in the first place
0: Right, right, yeah. They, there's definitely pros and cons, and it can. It sounds to me like if you have, if as the creator, as the the imaginative mind that comes up with the first story, if you had more you wanted to tell, and you know what that is, then a prequel can be a really good thing. If you're cashing out, and, and in, in one way or another, then it can feel it can feel very contrived, and I think that'll. We'll talk about that in the cons. But first, we've got reboots. We sort of already touched on something that's pleasant about a reboot, but do you want to just go ahead and talk about any pros or reiterate the pros of your story being part of a reboot?
1: Right, uh, for sure. I mean, obviously, like you said, we, we've we already touched on the nostalgia of the thing, um, but I think the biggest pro of reboots... When again handled well is getting to update a beloved property for a new generation, a new time, a new a new group of people Um, and getting to tell, you know, the same story, but maybe with a different take that is more relevant to modern times and modern sensibilities. Um, I think I think a really decent example. I'm not going to say a great example, but a decent example of this uh, in recent memory is the new Power Rangers movie. Like, I really liked the Power Rangers reboot, and it wasn't just a rehash of the original. It it updated it for a more modern time. Not that the original was archaic, mind you. We're a thousand years old, aren't we? But I think that's a good example yeah. of something getting updated. I, I know this is not a popular opinion, but I've been saying for years, I would love to see in the hands of a good writer and a good director and a good team of actors, a reboot of Breakfast Club. Because I think that movie is iconic. For sure. And I think there's so much of it that applies to present day kids and generations, but I think there's so many opportunities in a good reboot. And I want to emphasize, like I'd want this in good hands to tell a story that's more relatable and impactful for a modern generation. You know, it's, it's a, it's a story that's got good bones that with an update, you have such an opportunity. So I would say the biggest pro to me for a reboot is, Is getting to take all the things that work in something and give it new life and new voice in a different time, because movies are always kind of a product of their time, right? And right, Um, mostly. I mean, that that so we don't have to get
0: into it here. But audience, I would definitely like to hear your opinion. Does do you feel like Matt, where The Breakfast Club could use a a reboot to appeal to the current generation of high schoolers or do you feel that the John Hughes original version holds up i i don't want to I, I don't think you want to want a reboot i, I, I don't want you to be clear I'm, I'm not saying it doesn't
1: you. hold up at all and i'm not saying it okay. begs for a reboot i just i it's one of those movies that i always go back to and i think like you know in a time when we're rebooting, you would be excited for when one. we're rebooting everything right now and sometimes like for no reason it feels like it's like why are you rebooting that i feel like that's one that could use a good reboot not because it needs it but because there's a store there's a more current story to tell with that scenario you know nice okay i uh I like
0: that. I, I have mixed feelings on it and that means it's a really great statement. And that covers our pros as well as you, you jumped a little bit ahead into one of our questions about movies you would like to see made, uh, have a sequel, prequel or reboot. You've, you've already answered that, but that's good. We're it's cool because I've still got
1: a good answer for that when we get to it
0: excellent um, next then actually I, I would just like to add one of the consistent things I'm saying one of the pros of a sequel prequel or reboot I think it's safe to say is that you are coming off the audience being aware of a greater source material or an existing source material that is very popular so you're you're working off a high like there's a high energy with a sequel because it's bringing back, more story of something you love. A prequel is looking deeper into something that you loved. A reboot is mm. reimagining something that was very beloved. So well, and as a That as would a, definitely be
1: As a film studio, as someone who's trying to sell movies, you have like a pre-installed fan base. You have a you you already have like an in on any of these projects because you've got an existing fan base that's like, "Yes, I would like to see more" Of this world or yes, I would like to see more of these characters because I'm already invested
0: and their excitement can gr- Gravitate more people in to learn exactly now you're creating this new thing. That's it's a good point Well, and it has a snowball right. effect so- too. So
1: like say the first movie in a franchise is relatively popular when they're ready for the second movie, assuming the first one did pretty well or at least OK, then you've got that fan base that's already like getting, you know, that's like telling their friends. and doing So it has this snowball effect where by the time you get to the eighth Harry Potter movie, you know, people mm-hmm. that aren't even into fantasy movies are already like sold because they're invested in a property at that point.
0: Yeah, they feel left behind like they're missing out on the next hip thing.
1: I will never forget that my dad and his brother were on a fishing trip in Arkansas Years ago when the seventh Harry Potter Film was out and they were in this small Town that only had like one movie theater that Played one movie at a time and they just Wanted to go see a movie they had not seen any Harry Potter movies read any of the books But they were like oh I hear Harry Potter Is a good movie so they went to go see the Seventh Harry Potter movie by itself Had no clue what was Going on (laughs) I love your dad. He's oh, the best. I, I will never forget that the story is too good. It's way too good. Like I really wish I audience. Had the, if you have
0: stories like that, please share.
1: Oh, for sure. If I I really wish I'd had the prescience at that time to like sit down and interview him and be like, so tell me about the Harry Potter world from this from the advantage of having seen. <laughs> and what's great is like I love it. He didn't even see one of the standalone kind of movies. You know that are supposed to be one entire story he saw part one of the seventh book basically so not only did he not have any of the you know the pre-existing knowledge but it ends kind of like halfway through a thought because it's meant to be part one of two. So I don't know. I wish I could go back in time and be like, tell me more about what you think these Harry Potter <laughs> movies are about.
0: I'm, I'm saying it now. We need to we need to make a sub project where we have your dad go through all the Harry Potter movies and get his impression before
1: and after each one. I like it. Me, my but, dad and Harry. I'm. It, it's like a podcast. <laughs> <waiting that happen. laughs>
0: oh, my goodness. OK, that's great. All right, let's. So, speaking of cons, was a, was a wonderful this detour. is a, actually a, a mm-hmm. decent
1: segue for cons. One of the cons of sequels is you, you have to have that pre existing knowledge. It's, I mean, aside from probably a few exceptions, you know, you've got to go into like X3, like we reviewed recently on this show. You really need to have seen at least one of them to kind of know who – because like I said before, if your first film is doing all the heavy lifting with your character development and your world building, then if you haven't seen that, then you go in going, who is that? What can they do? Why are they mad at this person? Where are they going? You know, all these questions. Do you feel that's true of prequels, or do they have their own con? Man, prequels kind of, because – so, like, say you're seeing the Star Wars prequels, and you get to a scene where you meet Anakin for the first time. And well, let's put aside how we feel about these movies, but just talk about it from strictly, like, a a viewing perspective. So, say you meet Anakin I'll for the first it. time. As If you've never seen any of the Star Wars films, you're going to have people in the theater going, oh, my God, that's Anakin? Because they know who he becomes at one point. Whereas if you're watching it without any of that knowledge, you're kind of like, I don't understand why this is supposed to be you know, groundbreaking or earth shattering. And I would argue it is a part of it because the people writing a prequel, a prequel is a type of sequel, right? It's meant to be watched after something else. So if you don't have the existing knowledge of its predecessor, then when you're watching this prequel, there's going to be a lot of moments that won't make sense because you're meant to have existing knowledge of its predecessor.
0: I see what you're saying there, but now does that hold true for a reboot, which is, do you need to have that original source material to appreciate a reboot?
1: I would say in soft reboots, which like I said are, I I think, the more common reboots nowadays, yes. Um, Or no. Hmm. I mean, I don't know. I don't know that you need to. I think they're meant to be enjoyed with the knowledge of its predecessor. So there's going to be Jokes and tongue-in-cheek moments and visual things that that are 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 definitely there for the people that have seen the the original property, the original movie. But I think the premise of a reboot, just at its core, is that you don't need to have seen anything before. I think of a a good example of this is like the new Jurassic World movies. Those are sort of sequels, but they're sort of soft reboots, really. They're, they're meant that you could start with Jurassic World 1, and you don't need to have all the knowledge of seeing the first three Jurassic Park movies. I mean, you're shortchanging yourself if you aren't watching the original Jurassic Park, let's be honest, but you don't have to have seen them. <laughs> but there are going to be lots of moments that aren't going to be as impactful or funny or dramatic or whatever because you haven't seen the, the predecessors.
0: I hear you. Um, yeah. Okay. So one of the cons for sure is, is that there is a dependency to fully appreciate the story that they have to have seen the previous content. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's requiring more from your audience than just a straight up new movie. It's not as much of a requirement anymore. But it's definitely there. I, I feel like an audience has no problem watching your your prior content first and catching up especially with the
1: accessibility of films now right. through streaming and whatnot i want to say another con hmm. for me of sequels actually is part of the pro of sequels when i think too often with sequels because like i keep saying all the heavy lifting is done in the first movie i think a lot of writers especially for sequels when they bring on like lesser known or less talented writers, frankly, they rely on all of that character development in that first movie. And they don't really do anything new or interesting with the characters in the sequel. They'll just, they'll kind of ride on the high of the first movie to the point where they'll just, you know, you and I have seen this a hundred times in sequels where they just recreate instances or reuse dialogue. And it's meant, I think to be considered like cute like, oh, uh, we're doing this thing again that you saw in the last movie. And it can be cute when done well, but it oftentimes comes across as just lazy, as lazy writing. Like, we're just going right. to recreate It's, it's, it's a the... nod.
0: It's pandering.
1: Right. Well, a nod is one thing. Like, okay, uh, that was a cute little moment. But we're when you have characters just... Like, oh, great example of this. Oh, my God, such a good example for, of this. Um, And in fairness, I didn't finish this movie because of this. But, like, I'm a big fan... Of the original Zoolander movie. I think it's got some great like comedic gold moments. I tried to watch Zoolander too. Cause I'm like, I don't know. I'm one of the, I'm a fan. I'll watch it. I couldn't get through it because it felt like all they were doing was recreating all the jokes from the first movie. And the tone is totally wrong because in the first movie, you know, if they're making fun of Justin Bieber, it's it, they're making fun of Justin Bieber in the sequel. It's like they brought Justin Bieber into the movie to make fun of himself. And it's like, well, the joke doesn't honestly work if he's in on the joke. And there are exceptions to that in other movies. That's a faulty
0: attack to do in in, in all kinds of humor Uh, because it's supposed to be satire and it's no longer satire if the... The point of the joke is now in on the joke. Now it's just There's great examples of it working
1: it? though. Like I will always say the funniest moments in Family Guy are Adam West playing a caricature of himself. Like the funniest moments in Family Guy are Adam West playing Adam West mm-hmm. and making fun of himself. That totally works because he feels I, like I,
0: I would argue that's different than what you're talking about, though, because that's that's less satire and more like i guess exaggeration satire it's it's really a, a slippery slope i'll say it is now satire. We're getting into are, comedy, they're both examples
1: of satire it's just satire works sometimes and satire doesn't work sometimes is really what it
0: comes. we're gonna to. do another podcast on satire because and, and comedy in general because we could go down this rabbit hole but I'm, I'm gonna yoink us up i would like to something to add on the cons of sequels and you've, you've been touching on this the whole time is because it's a sequel, because some there's already been a story, a lot of time there's there is pressure to do what I call cranking it to 11, meaning uh, yeah. you mm-hmm. can't just have another story. You have to have a grander story. More has to be happening. It has to be more and more. Right. And a lot of sequels, especially ones with, like, superheroes where there are villains, feel the need to you know, oh, like Spider-Man movies did this twice in a row. And I feel like that's why they're, the reboot fell apart is because instead of having one good Spider-Man villain, because there are tons of them, they would have one. And then the next movie, they would have two. And then the next movie they had, they would just keep upping the ante over and over again. Right. It was like, just slow down. You can make 17 good Spider-Man movies using all his villains, or right. you can make... You know, three bad ones and more
1: isn't necessarily more. And I think that's a that's a common uh, pitfall for a lot of sequels. Is like you said, we've got to up the stakes, we've got to up the ante, we've got to make it bigger, bigger, better. But you know, something that you and I have anything
0: different at all. If you don't do anything different at all, then you run the risk of recreating the first movie, and everyone is equally bored. So there is there is a tightrope walk you have to do with a sequel if you want it to be good, if you're not just trying to turn it into you, a cash cow.
1: Yeah, you've really got to know what you're doing as a writer because it's you know, you and I talked about this I think back when Legend of Korra was first airing, which is the sequel series to The Last Airbender, the show that we talk about all the time on this show. Um, Legend of Korra suffered from a little bit of, you know, in the in the original series Avatar The Last Airbender Aang and the, the gang spoiler, save the world, right? They saved the whole world. So when Korra comes along, who's the next avatar in the series and has to save the world, you kind of have to up the stakes a little bit. Like we're saving the whole world again. But you can only you can only save the whole universe so many times before you're like, So what what are we doing here? What's the point? And mm-hmm. you've gotta figure out as a writer, like what other stories can I tell that aren't saving all of reality? And I without getting too I much think into Legend of Korra, I think they figured that stride out eventually. But it's hard because, like you said, with superhero movies specifically, you know, I think even the Marvel films are sort of struggling with this lately. You can only save the whole world so many times before you're wondering, like, what other stories are there that you can tell me?
0: Which I think is why Ant-Man was sort of refreshing for everybody after Infinity War. They Mm -hmm. weren't saving the world. Oh, I totally agree. To be fair... To be fair, uh, Korra's first season, she wasn't saving the world. It was just an epidemic. There was a a threat within the city she was in. But to prove your point, I went in with a certain amount of expectation of who I thought she should be as a character based on (coughs) what I've already seen. And it wasn't until I went back and rewatched her series again that I went, you know, I was really too hard on this. I was so disappointed she wasn't the characters I knew that I didn't give her a chance to be her and I didn't see that until I stopped and watched it again. So that initial, yeah. there's a lot of pressure on that initial. I think well, that's and true. And I think that's of, important to you point out about it with,
1: with, as a con for sequels and prequels and reboot, all of these is preconceptions just in general. Yes. Because like what you're saying, because we went into it with all of the knowledge and feelings that we had for Avatar the Last Airbender, we weren't, so, I, I think you're right. I think I was the same way. I wasn't, Really fair to Cora the first time watching it because I was applying all these preconceptions to it, and on rewatch, like treating it as its own thing, I I found it much more enjoyable.
0: I agree, and I think that's I think it's a good place to kind of stop uh, with the cons. I think we've we've found that that connecting that connecting feature definitely weigh in uh, audience. If there's anything you think we didn't touch on, any issues there, but now I have another question for you, Matt. And this one you don't have to have an answer for, but do you think any one of these storytelling types, the sequel, the prequel, the reboot is better than the others. Keeping in mind that we've already acknowledged that they don't have to be a story. doesn't have to be just a sequel or just a prequel or just a reboot. It can sometimes be an amalgam of the, of uh, maybe at least two of them. But do you think one in general is better or do you prefer one to the other yourself personally?
1: Um, Yes. I, I would say for sure that, I don't know it's hard to pick which one's better because like intrinsically how do you pick which which is better than another excuse me I would say for me personally I prefer a good sequel Um, especially in a time when you know Netflix and TV shows in general are so good we like continuing stories we like more of a character and longer time to spend with characters and spending more time in a world. So sequels in general, I would say are definitely my favorite of the three. Um, and I think sequels in general are the best of the three. I think there's some uh, examples of exceptions. Um, like I know Godfather part two is sort of a prequel to it's like half prequel, half sequel. Uh, and it's generally considered the best of the Godfather movies. So that's a good example of a, of a working prequel. Um, and reboots, I, again, can be done really well. But I would say, of the, of the three, yeah, sequels are definitely my favorite. A lot of my favorite movies, I would say, are sequels. I I agree. I
0: think, I think we were always going to be in agreement on this. I do prefer sequels. I have sort of just uh, a, a negative feeling towards prequels, not just because <laughs> of the Star Wars prequels, but because after the Star Wars prequels came out, Um, they started doing so many more prequels of so many things, I just thought it was not necessary. Go make other things. I feel... I'm kind of on... I'm 50-50 on reboots, and here's why. There have been reboots that I have enjoyed, and I've enjoyed... And if I've enjoyed it, then I should be on board with it. The problem I have with a reboot is, before reboots they would just make a new movie. Star Wars was, you know, supposed to be an amalgamation of Flash Gordon and a lot of other inspirations. And I think with the invention of the reboot, we're losing our innovation. We're not even going to attempt to make something new because it, that that's how a pitch works, you know, you you pitch a movie to a studio, you go, it's this movie with that movie or, right. you know, this story and and, you know, this kind of character from this movie in it. And that's okay, because, you know, we, we all know all the stories have been told, it's all been done, it's, can you do it again and be and put your own unique spin on it? And with a reboot, less and less are we getting that. And when they're the safe bet, when the reboot, the sequel, and even the prequel is the safe bet, we're getting fewer and fewer New, I use air quotes for uh, our non-video. So you're not even really coming down newer content
1: on reboots, so much as the over reliance on reboots,
0: right? And I would agree with you. But of course, we're doing that. that. It's a crutch.
1: But you know, again, with the advent of of Netflix and the popularization of Netflix and Amazon, I do feel like we're seeing a lot of new original stories. I just think we're seeing them on the you know, quote unquote, small screen and less so on the big screen because these big these big studios are aren't willing to risk as much on a big you know multi-million dollar movie but that that, you know that's a completely brand new concept when a reboot has a built-in like almost guarantee of return almost whereas on the small screen you know, something like Netflix or Amazon or Hulu can invest in a six, eight, ten-episode series and just see how it does. And if it does well, then they're like, you know what? We'll give you twelve episodes next season. You know, how, if that does really well, you know, you'll get you get eighteen episodes next season. Damn, this thing's doing really great. We're gonna give you a whole movie. You know, I I think that's where it's going now. And I don't know that I love it or hate it. It's kind of whatever. Because, like I said, my personally, I like a good serial. I like spending eight episodes with a group of characters in a world that I love more than spending 90 minutes with them, those characters in one movie in general. I mean, obviously, there's some exceptions. But um, so we, we I think we're pretty clear on what we both prefer. Before I give my answer, I want to know, is there a movie that you would like to see a sequel or a prequel or a reboot to that doesn't already exist?
0: I have one I'd like to see a sequel to, and... Not a prequel or a reboot. I I look forward to those when they look like they might be good, but I I have no desire for that. I, I searched really hard about that all weekend and thought, is there something I'd want to see them go deeper into? And and the reason the answer is no, because especially with a prequel, I like my imagination to tell me what their what that backstory is. It's always going to be better. So unless I'm approached to write a prequel, then no, I don't want a prequel. Reboots. I remember the originals. So much, especially because they're now pulling from the 80s and the 90s, and I can just go back and watch those again and appreciate it just as much. So I just I don't have the drive for a reboot, not saying I'm against it automatically, but a sequel, I would like a sequel to one thing in particular, and this is a bit self serving, but you know, hey, it's my podcast too. I would like to see a sequel to the movie Farscape, the Peacekeeper Wars. And the reason I want to see a sequel to that is because Farscape was originally a sci-fi TV show that was on sci-fi. And then, like all sci-fi TV shows on sci-fi, canceled by sci-fi. And they got to make one movie to kind of wrap up everything they were doing uh, before it was just gone forever. And it is by far my favorite sci-fi story in existence. And I would like them to get another movie. I would like them to get another movie to try and reinvigorate the potential for another show or at least another pocket of movies. But I love that so much. I've always felt like I never got enough of it. And I feel like there was so much more they wanted to tell. I would like a movie for a sequel, pardon me, a sequel to Farscape The Peacekeeper Wars, which was the last thing they made for Farscape.
1: Nice. I didn't see that coming, although I probably should have. I wasn't thinking about that because it's like a, it was a TV movie, right? They never they never got a theatrical run.
0: Correct. Yes. You didn't specify. So no, for sure. And I think all <laughs> your
1: reasoning for everything is totally sound. Um, so I don't think you're going to be surprised by my answer, uh, but it's one I've been saying for years. I'd love to see a I'm going to say sequel, but I want to be clear that really, I mean, sidequel, like we've like we talked about earlier. I and you, we, a bunch of us in our friend group, love, 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 love the movie The Fifth Element. It's an amazing movie, and it works on its own. It doesn't need a sequel per se, but the world building in Fifth Element is so good. The visual design, um, all of that is amazing. And I've been saying for a few years that I would love to see a sequel to The Fifth Element that doesn't follow the main characters it's a new story with a new set of characters set in the same universe and the only character that crosses over is ruby rod because i think ruby rod is kind of the glue that holds that universe together and him kind of popping up as another as a secondary character once again in a sequel and then maybe even another movie where again he he isn't the main focus but he's kind of that unifying element that keeps this like fifth element universe together. That's the kind of sequel I would like to see.
0: I would too. I felt really robbed. It's on our list, uh, audience. Not fifth element, but the one I'm about to name Valyrian. Uh, Valyrian. Yeah, and the something something. It's planets. like World of a Thousand uh, Planets,
1: I think is the full title, but Valyrian.
0: That sounds right. It was directed by Luke Basson, who also created the Fifth Element. Uh Valyrian was graphic novel first yeah so it's actually I, a very but famous that one series that one fell French short but novels. they yeah they teased that it was going to be sort of a unofficial bastard child sequel to the fifth element or side and it wasn't no it just wasn't
1: it could have been and cool though so because they, that movie you know i'm excited to talk about that movie when we get to that episode but it had a lot of good bones to it and could have been something special. And it could have been something super special if you'd again, if you'd like introduced Ruby Rod as this character in the same universe, and we we sort of tied them together. I mean, it plays a little bit on that nostalgia we talk about as as something that makes sequels work really well is that familiarity of a universe and a character set. And yeah, Valyrian could have been a really neat sidequel to fifth element and i get why they didn't because it's its own intellectual property it's 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 its own comic book series and i totally get it but um it was kind of fun to see Luke on playing in that kind of sci-fi type again but yeah that's my big pick and like i said earlier i i still think it'd be neat to see a breakfast club modernization with the kids dealing with more modern issues with dealing with cyberbullying and like things like that that didn't even exist when the original breakfast club came out but the concept of the breakfast club of mm-hmm. of all these kids from different backgrounds and cliques and 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 home it was wives. identity it yeah. was like
0: we were talking about with x-men it was about identity and right. there are new identities out there to be acknowledged and explored and exactly you have an opportunity to, to have a, a
1: trans kid you have an opportunity to just like i said play with 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 new like you said newer identities that just weren't i'm not going to say they didn't exist at the time i mean things like cyberbullying, i don't think existed at the time because the internet wasn't really a thing but but yeah all these identities that could be addressed with a modern take, I think would be so fun and like refreshing.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm already writing it. They're already, they're already there on a Saturday going, why do we have Saturday detention? Who even does that? What's wrong with this school?
1: Right. (laughs) The school is so old school. (laughs) (coughs) Uh, Um, That's great. Okay. um,
0: So I, I'd like to kind of just recap or maybe final thoughts. This just, how do you feel about this? Uh, miniature podcast here. Do we talk about anything in sequels, prequels and reboots that maybe you hadn't considered before Matt, even saying it yourself out loud? Did you, do you feel like you've come to any new conclusions or is this all just affirming what you already thought?
1: Um, I think the latter. I, I don't know that I've, I've had any big epiphanies from this chat, but it, it it certainly was nice to go through and really uh, purposefully consider the concepts of sequels and the merits and demerits of prequels and whatnot. And I just to kind of like pull up some thoughts about these that I hadn't really made time to think about, you know, what about you? Yeah,
0: I, I, I definitely feel that I think there were a couple points where, and I recognized that the line that describes a sequel, prequel, reboot is a lot blurrier than I originally just assumed it was. And when we broke it down, we saw that the pros and cons all sort of matched up. And the, the unifying thing was, is you're working from source material that is loved, but now you've got to be respectful with that. And... One, you could just end up being SOL because of expectation. But two, if you're just doing a cash grab, you're going to get burned uh, in the long run, at least critically. So that was, I guess I knew that last part, but just seeing how it's, it, it holds true of all of them, not just, you know, I have a, a negative feeling for prequels in general, and I just think they're bad. But that's that's not necessarily true. You, you've kind of enlightened me the concept of a of a good prequel. If, if, if we're in Plato's cave, I've only seen the shadow of a good prequel. <laughs> and one day I hope to step out of the cave and see the light. That, that, that's about as, that's my intro to ancient philosophy for you. There, just, just coming back.
1: We'll do another episode but on philosophy and we'll,
0: movies. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> no one will tune in and I will love it. Oh no, it'll be a great episode. But, we'll talk okay. about
1: total recall. Cause that's a good one.
0: Uh, I'm already excited. Uh, but I hope I hope our audience has been excited with this format. This is something new. We're trying. We're not going to do it all the time. We're going to try and maybe do one a month. But also, we just try to get this podcast out as often as we can. And that's limited just because of our, our existing schedules. So if you did enjoy this, give us some feedback. If you didn't, give us some feedback. Feedback on anything we've said, anything we haven't said. We really enjoy the feedback. We've been, we've found out recently that our email account for TSD thought that all of our audience responses to our podcast should be put in the spam folder and that all of our notices of what other people are saying on Twitter should be put in our inbox and I fixed that so I'll actually get what you say now I, I'm not sure what our uh, what our email provider was thinking there but but I set them straight so so give us some feedback we will he sat if down if can't acknowledge it here on the podcast <laughs> yes we had words made them an offer they can't refuse.
1: all right and, well, um yeah, we, I definitely look forward to hearing some more feedback now that we know that it's going to the right place. Uh, Tony, before we close mm. out, uh, do we want to give any recommendations for for people to watch oh. or enjoy?
0: I think we started. I think I'm going to stick with – I've been wanting to, to recommend this one for a while. Farscape is my favorite sci-fi out there in the world. You can find it – I think it's still on Netflix, I hope. If not, you'll, you'll find it on Amazon. Uh, you may have to shell out a few – few credits for it but it is worth it it is a sci-fi uh and made by the jim henson company and i already love the henson company i love me some muppets but they wanted to take their craft to the next level and see what could they do in a less muppet-esque world where it's actors wearing prosthetics or actors wearing beautiful full body you know makeup and animatronics still you still get you still get your muppets but not in the the typical sense. And I think they do some amazing things there. I think what makes the story great is all of the characters, um, even though most of them are alien, feel very real in the sense that something that happens to them in one episode will stick with them through the next episode. And they were very conscious of that as they made the show. It had four seasons and a movie and you will get closure. You won't get all the closure you want, but you're not going to be left hanging like a lot of shows. So that's my recommendation. Matt, how about you?
1: Uh, I'm going to cheat a little and recommend two, but only because one of them is one that you're going to recommend with me, I think. Um, The first thing I want to recommend, because I just finished it uh, yesterday or the day before, is a video game. It's the newest Spider-Man game. It's a PlayStation 4 exclusive. Um, And I know it's a little weird to recommend a video game on this show, but I think you and I are both a sucker for good storytelling. I mean, it doesn't matter what the medium is, and I just can't reiterate enough how good the storytelling is in this new Spider-Man game. I mean, really, it's one of the best Spider-Man movies I've ever seen, and it's because it gets right. the, it gets the characters <laughs> right. It's not. It gets the tone right. Like it's it's goofy and comic booky when it needs to be. It's dramatic and like tearful when it needs to be. And I just they've they knocked it out of the park. <clears throat> Excuse me. They knocked it out of the perfect park. Perfect in this the game. medium
0: of a video game. If, if, if this wouldn't be something I would want to just watch the clips to playing Agreed. it helps in suck you in and I I knew because this this type of video game real quick is called an open world meaning you're kind of free to roam a lot of the time and then go invest in the story and I know Matt you typically shy away from those because you just you feel like I feel oh, overwhelmed so much out there choices. to do it just but I this is a game that stress. I I like Bunker but as I played this one <clears throat> Mm-hmm. I played this one because I knew you would enjoy going and doing all of these little things for the most part. And it wouldn't give you that that overwhelmed feeling you yeah. normally have. And I was it very was... careful to sell it to him because there's this there's this great feature in the game that allows you to take selfies as Spider-Man anywhere in the world so like mid web swing you know through buildings and i just kept sending him screenshots of spider-man <laughs> doing crazy things until you know he couldn't i never help did that at all the game
1: and all the game all the game time i played i never took a single selfie i was just having too much fun web slinging <laughs> around the city it was so much fun
0: i don't take selfies in real life i took 50 selfies in this video game that <laughs> because sounds i was about right. spider-man it sounds about right Uh, If I was Spider-Man, I'd take a lot more selfies.
1: A final thought about this before I give you my second recommendation is I know some of our listeners maybe aren't gamers and they don't play a lot of video games. And it's overwhelming, I think, to look at a game like this and be like, I don't know if I can handle all those controls. It just seems like too much. Uh, Spider-Man is is another game in a series of games lately that has a very casual mode meant for people that don't normally play video games. Um, And it's meant to be friendly to people that aren't going to be good at getting landing the combos and using all the special moves and doing all that stuff if you just want to play it and get that story and not worrying about dying all the time and figuring out puzzles and all that stuff, there's a way to play it, get the story and not get bogged down with some of those like more gamery things. In fact, I'll, I'll full disclosure. I activated the mode early on that lets you skip puzzles because I didn't want to get bogged down with it. I knew I wanted to finish the game, so I did some puzzles. Some of them I skipped. I just kind of did it however I felt like in the moment, and it was nice to have that option. So nice. That's my thought about Spider Man. Check it out if you're even remotely interested in Spider Man or gaming or anything like that. My second recommendation. I'll What's try. And, sec- yeah. Well, I'll try and be short about. Uh, when Tony and I earlier this year were at South by Southwest, there was a movie. Um, being shown that I did not get to see that I really wanted to see, uh, and it just came out on iTunes recently called Eighth Grade. Uh, the director is Bo Burnham, I think is his name, and he's this crazy, like, jack of all trades comedian, musician, director, writer. Like, he makes me mad. He's so talented, apparently. Uh, but he made this movie called Eighth Grade, and it's about a girl in her last weeks of eighth grade. And I think I thought the movie was going to be a little more like fun and funny than it was. It actually was a little darker than I was expecting. But I I really thought it was a great example of not just good storytelling, but putting yourself back in what it felt like in eighth grade, because I think eighth grade is like it was a weird year for a lot of us, even if we ended up having a good high school, like middle school is just like a weird time in a lot of people's lives. And he really captures the kind of anxiety and just overwhelming task of like making friends and keeping friends and all those things uh I don't know I just really really liked eighth grade quite a bit, and if you're looking for a movie that's a little more i don't want to say it's serious, but it's just it, it, it's a little bit of a of an emotional commitment of a movie, but I really liked it a lot and i I, I wanted to recommend it for our listeners.
0: You've you've inspired me. I want I want to do one more now because you talk about South by Southwest and things that we didn't get to see while we were there. I recently watched the documentary "Won't You Be My Neighbor?" <gasps> oh about my Fred God. Rogers. Yes,
1: it's so good. And
0: I oh, I, he is so good. And and yeah, I did cry by the end, and uh, in a good way, like happy, mostly happy cry. The reason I want to recommend it is there are so many icons uh, in our past that are just. We're learning unfortunate truths about them mm-hmm. or they're just being torn down as not being as great as they were I feel like that's just a thing we do. We try to tear down our heroes and this does not do that. This looks at a Man and says no, this was a good man. Was he a perfect man? Of course not. No one is but he was a good man and it celebrates his life and celebrates what he did and I just I really needed that I didn't realize how much I needed that but that's a that's a documentary you should go find won't you be my neighbor if you if you know anything about Mr. Rogers and I what's funny is, again, you know, my age now I was actually seeing a lot of reruns I was actually seeing a lot of the later stuff he did in the beginning, just like the the boundaries he crossed and the envelopes he pushed and all for the the fact of love and inclusion and not hiding the the bad things that happen, but talking about how we can support each other and dea- dealing with them, that is 100% what I want 30-something digital TSD to actually be doing. Like, mm-hmm. I want us to do fun things like this, but I also want us to, and that, that's why we're movie fixers. We want to build up how a movie could be good. You know, we can't just be negative. There needs to be a positive, and this movie just really reinforced all of those feelings in me, so I, I strongly recommend it.
1: I, I, I second your recommendation. I loved that movie. And before we get off the subject of that movie, I, I was recently today reading an excerpt of an interview with the filmmaker that made that movie, and he was asked, was there anything that hit the cutting room floor uh, that, that helps to paint a better picture of who Mr. Rogers was uh, that you're just sad that had to get cut? And the filmmaker talks about how there's a bit that they had to cut uh, that talks about how he was constantly reviewing what he was making. And if there was a moment where he looked back at an old episode and he is like the wrong pronoun, or he had an interaction with someone that he didn't like the way it represented that person or the concept he was addressing, he would go back. He would put the same clothes on and reshoot and edit that end of the old episodes because he was adamant that all the episodes stand the test of time and be um, wow and and be pertinent to every time so he would he would he would go back and look at those things and make sure that they held up and make sure that they still told the story that he wanted to tell and I just think that's such an I'm so sad that it didn't make the final cut but there's enough great things in that movie that you know it, you don't feel like you're missing it but I, I I really wanted to share that little moment because I thought it was too cool and now that I've known you've seen the movie too that makes me happy to to share it with you. So that's Excellent. some good recommendations, so, I think, so, Tone. Um, do you want to reveal what our next movie is?
0: Yes. Uh, we just went over. We've we've listed out a few, but we've, we've heard your, your notes. And one of the things is we've been doing a lot of superhero, a lot of sci-fi, a lot of fantasy, all great stuff. But there are other movies out there that need fixing. We're going to take a little bit of a hiatus. We've got some travel and some work to get going. But in that time, we are going to look at a movie I know nothing about, but has been recommended to us as something to fix called the wicker man. Now to be clear, this is going to be the second release of this movie. The and reboot It stars, Nicholas cage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it, I guess that is a reboot. Look at that. It's it, a
1: remake it of just segueing right thing. in. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And with that, we're going to try and have that out on October. What do we say? Twenty
1: twenty fifth. 25th? 25th, hopefully just in time for Halloween. Yeah, this will be just, our first like horror movie on the show.
0: Yeah, and I feel like that that's going to be really interesting. I I know nothing going in, so I can't give you any impressions. But we've got a lot of other good stuff lined up. Some of which will go back to our superhero, sci fi, fantasy realm. But we're we're going to try and and not just do that, and try and, and branch out and get a little creative. I got a I've got a real fun, funny one to do. In November that I won't share here, but I will share uh, coming soon. So look forward to
1: that. I'm excited. Yeah, this will be our first movie that neither of us has seen ahead of time. So that'll be another first. I think you're right. All right. um, There we go. Do you want to give the credits or do you
0: want me to do it? I got credits. I got some credits. All credits for days. I want to thank you, Matt, my co-host and myself as well. Thank you, me, Tony. We're always here. Your movie fixers (laughs) hosting this podcast, producing this podcast I want to thank our executive producers, Hayden Smith and Chrissy Faith, for making it possible for us to do this and all the things we do on 30-something digital. I want to thank again uh, Nick Aducci. And though she didn't give us a recap this time, because there wasn't one, Jessica Aducci, for always being there to support us with artwork, recap, good thoughts. They're wonderful people. We love you so much. And yeah, I think think that's it did I forget anybody again I'm really bad at this Why no you actually
1: you nailed it this time you got everybody in the first go thank yes. you to all of those people all right you guys make this possible and we love you for it
0: and the next group thank you listeners yeah thank you oh, for yeah, listening yeah. real quick uh I know we went over an hour we tried not to but I think it was our recommendations we just had too many yeah hopefully though you found this enjoyable let us know let us know and we will uh keep changing and adapting and getting better at this I promise
1: yeah I promise we'll eventually be good at what we're doing Mm-hmm. I just don't know when. All right everybody, thanks for listening.
0: And with that, we'll see, see you October, October 25th. 25th.
1: Bye. Bye.